All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, uh, here, let me take the So, those of you that were here last uh, last week, and we kind of had a little bit of a different uh, format, and it's certainly a format that uh, isn't very predictable. But uh, I thought it, it's it's good to take advantage of the collective knowledge in the room, uh, which certainly outweighs the collective knowledge at this podium. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to um, we're going to use that method again to walk through the rest of Genesis. So when we left our our story, we were roughly in Genesis chapter 42, and as you'll recall. And as you'll need to demonstrate for those that weren't here last week, we told the story, right? Together, we told the story. So feel free to refresh your memory as we walk through this. But we're going to take another big picture look at this. We're going to uh, focus in on, on a couple passages. But we just need to review what happened and, and how it happened. So in chapter 42, uh, where we left things, it said... Um, in verse 1, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his son, what are you guys looking at? Um, go buy some grain. And we know that, um, uh, that, that they did. Uh, they go and they get some grain. And they're, they come back with some grain, but there's, there's a wrinkle in the mix, and that is, Joseph says in verse um, uh, well, I've lost the verse because, but anyway, the 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 is <laughs> Daddy knows the person. Twenty-five. There we go. Um, Joseph gave order fills to fill their bags with grain. He puts their money back in there, and the the story, the, the the turn I was looking for is actually a little bit closer to the end than I realized, and that is that um, they realize that if they come back, they're going to have to bring Benjamin, and and that's the that's the story. And he says, you know, we can't we can't do that. It would it would just kill our dad if. He lost Benjamin too. So, verse 43, they've gone back to Canaan uh, with their grain. The famine is persisting, and they've used it up, and they're hungry again. So now what do they do? All right, you're on. What happens? Which 
brother was that? Judah. Judah. So who, who vouched for Benjamin? Judah. All right, so what's the answer? So it's always good to cheat. Verse 8 of chapter 43, And Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy with me. Verse 9, As a pledge of his safety from my hand that you shall require him. If I don't bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame, and so forth. And the funniest verse in the chapter if we hadn't been dickering so long, we could have gone back and forth already twice. <laughs> that's, that's funny, right? I mean, there are a lot of verses in the Bible. There's a lot that gets left out, but that one makes it in the Bible. I just, I think that's, I just think that's great. If we had not been delayed, we would now have returned twice. What's that? You? Meanwhile, yes, Simeon's back in prison because he had to stay, right, as guaranteed that they would come back. All right, so in addition to uh, agreeing to go, um, they, um, uh, Jacob says, well, if, you're, if this is all going to happen, then, then take a gift, right? So they prepare a gift and so forth. All right, so what happens next? Cup to me. 
Um, I drink from it. I predict the future with it. Of course, he's making all this up. And um, they said, look, we didn't steal your cup. Somebody says, if you find this cup in our sacks, what happens? You can kill who's ever sack it's in. Which is what Jacob said to Laban about his household idols, idols, That is true. All right, so of course, whose sack is it in? It's in Benjamin's sack. And the brothers do what? Basically, in modern terms, they freak out, rip their clothes, they, they know this thing just went from bad to worse. The one person that they had sworn to protect is now the one that's, so what do they do? They all go back to Egypt, right? They all go back. Then what happens? So who vouched for Benjamin? Judah. So now it's time for him to step up, right? So what does he do? He goes to Joseph and does what? He pleads, exactly. He pleads for Benjamin's life. He tells the whole story. He goes back, he's talking to Joseph, he tells the whole story. And then in verse 30 of chapter 44, he says, Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the board of my father, saying, If I don't bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame. Please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Pleading every argument he can think of, pleading with Joseph for the life of Benjamin. Chapter 45, and then what happens? Instead of jealousy, which landed him in the pit, instead of selfishness, um, instead of all those other negative things, now he sees one brother literally willing to lay down his life for his other brother, and it's all he can't stand it. He literally can't stand it anymore. Verse 1 of chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself, 
before all, all those who stood by him. Now picture this big room. There's probably dignitaries, personal assistants, servants, wait staff, you know, the whole contingent of people. So everybody out. Everybody out. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. You assume this was probably a palace-type setup, and he was weeping so loudly that everybody was hearing it. You had to think, should we go back in there? What's going on? Verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. In other words, their, their situation has not yet improved, right? Like, oh my gosh, it's all coming back to me now. Remember, they had already speculated that the trouble that they were in was because of what they had done to Joseph already. They, they kind of knew they were under God's judgment, or at least that's how they pictured it. This is happening to us because of what we did to our brother Joseph. And now it looks like it's over for them. In verse 4, Joseph says to his brother, Come near, come to me. I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. We talked about this concept of the remnant that so prominent in our study in Isaiah. Verse 8, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He's made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me and your you and your children and your children's children and your flocks your herds and all that you have there I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty so that had to have been amazing right instead of having to trade one to instead of having to give up the brother that they had sworn to protect instead of being punished by the brother that they had wronged instead of being put to death they would have probably assumed they get blessed <coughs> and blessed beyond they could have imagined can you imagine? They go down there. Egypt's a big place. How crazy it was that they even got to meet such a dignified official. And then they find out that just everything in their wildest dreams. I mean, I can't even picture what that would be like in today's terms. But there it was. Pharaoh hears about all this and then does what? 
Pharaoh basically comes to the same conclusion. I thought it was kind of funny that you know, Joseph promised all this and then Pharaoh said, oh yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah, Pharaoh says, say to your brothers, do this, load your beast. I'm in uh, verse 17. I'll give you the best of the land of Egypt. You shall eat the fat of the land and so forth. So he sends wagons to go back to Canaan to gather up uh, Jacob and the rest of the family. And basically they are told, yeah, load up what we can carry. Don't worry about the rest. All that Egypt has is now yours. Somebody read verse 25 through 28 of 45. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Thank you, Pat. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba, offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night, Jacob, Jacob, here am I. Verse 3, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. I will bring you up again and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. What's God saying to Jacob? I am with you. I've been with you in the past. I haven't forgotten my covenant with you and with Isaac and with Abraham. I'm going to go down with you. I'm going to bring you up again. Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. I'm going to be with you to the very end. So, that's what happens. They go. The latter part of the chapter, we have the, the listing there. Verse 27. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came in, into Egypt were 70. Then what happens? Somebody read uh, those last verses at the end of the chapter. Sounds good. Keep going. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared <coughs> before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. 
Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who work in the land of Canaan have come to me. That's good. So, they're back. They're in this new, maybe a, uh, a foreshadowing of the promised land. Chapter 47, Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and their herds have come from the land of Canaan. You know, they're here. And uh, Pharaoh basically endorses the settlement. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Jacob goes to meet Pharaoh. Jacob blesses Pharaoh. Uh, obviously, Pharaoh had been extremely kind to Joseph and to his family. Uh, we mentioned uh, last time about Joseph being the, the tough trader. And so we hear about that uh, beginning in verse 13. Um, there was still no food. Uh, we're just into the second year or so of the famine by the time Jacob shows up. Grain is first traded for money. And then what do they use? Livestock. And then what do they use? Land and themselves. They said, here's our land and here's our service. And that's what happened. I thought it was interesting that uh, you know, they get all this livestock. Who's in charge of the livestock? <laughs> Jacob's, Jacob's sons, right? They get put in, in charge of not only their livestock, but all the livestock of Pharaoh. Not bad. Verse 27 of 47. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it, and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147 years. Verse 29, And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal with me, don't bury me in Egypt. Swear to me. And of course he did. Don't bury me here. I want to go back. We see that again uh, before long. Chapter 48. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, Your son has come to you. Israel summoned his strength, sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me and blessed me, said, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And now your two sons, verse 5, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. Basically, Jacob, I guess, claims them as his own sons. And I guess some sort of primitive adoption saying, 
These are mine now. The children that you will have or that you have had since then are yours. He's saying this to Joseph. But these two are mine. These two are mine. And if you'll notice in the first verse, Manasseh is mentioned first. They're twins. Manasseh is mentioned first. But when Jacob discusses them, Ephraim is mentioned first. And we know that that's how this is going to progress. And verse 8, it says, When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? He said, These are my sons God has blessed me with. Jacob says, Bring them here so that I can bless them. Now, there's this verse... Verse 12, it says, Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So I've kind of pictured Joseph with his two sons sitting on his knee, right? And then bringing them to Jacob, he has Manasseh, I'm sorry, he has Ephraim in his right hand and Manasseh in his left hand because he's going to be face to face with Jacob, who would then receive... Manasseh on the right hand and Ephraim on the left hand, the firstborn being under the right hand. We know that he crosses his hands so that he blesses Ephraim more so. We'll see that in a minute. But if I got my calculation right, the boys are 20. Let's Check my math here. Joseph was, we're told that Joseph was 30 when he was put in charge of the famine. Okay? We know there were seven years of plenty. His sons are born the year before the famine. So, six years of plenty, and then the sons are born. Joseph is 36 at this point. We know Jacob comes to Egypt in the second year of the famine. So the boys are three at this point. But if this is the end of his life, we know that we're just told that Jacob came when he was 130, died when he was 147, 17 years in Egypt. So that's 17 years. The boys were three when he got there. They're 20 now. It just changed the picture I had in my mind. Does that make sense? Had you guys pictured? You know, so it's Joseph sitting here and has him on his knees. That's a, that's a lot of boy on your knee. And, I, you know, we do, maybe, maybe the boys were younger when they were blessed, and we've got some time shifting here, but it does seem like all this is happening toward the end of Joseph's life, I mean, uh, Jacob's life. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I was trying to put all that together. I was like, wait a minute, they're, they're old. <laughs> or older, anyway. All right, let's go to the blessing. Uh, let's see. Verse 12. Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. Joseph took them both, Ethereum in the right hand toward Israel's left hand, Manasseh in the left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them to him. Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the hand uh, 
of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the hand of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And then we have this blessing, which is just a beautiful blessing. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, and in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Joseph, of course, is confused by this crossing thing and corrects his dad, but his father says, I know, my son, I know. Verse 19, he shall also become a people, but, and he shall also be great. But his younger brother will be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Verse 21, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God be with you, and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I've given to you, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites. I also found this interesting. Oh, by the way, I do have this other piece of land. And, and that's yours, too. I just think that's amazing. <laughs> um, there's like a little footnote there. All right, chapter 49. Um, the little heading in my Bible says, Jacob blesses his sons. Well, if you read this, some it sounds more like um, a judgment than a blessing. Um, Something that you might want to uh, do as you, as you go through. Uh, there are a number of animals mentioned here. Uh, they're compared to various, you know, from, from oxen to wolves and so forth. That might be an interesting study for you one day to just, uh, you know, take your colored pencil and read the chapter and just every time you see an animal, circle it. And uh, think of the little, you know, the, each son is having its little mascot there. Uh, Reuben, um, verse 4, unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence. Uh, he committed incest with one of, um, one of uh, Jacob's wives. Um, so no soup for you. Uh, just a, just a small, small tribe. Uh, the Reubenites eventually got absorbed into, uh, into Judah. Uh, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Um, they avenged their sister um, Dinah, uh, who had been um, basically molested. Uh, they went too far, and um, so um, Simeon um, eventually uh, got absorbed into bigger tribes. Levi, of course, uh, became the uh, priestly tribe and didn't get any uh, land. As it says uh, in verse 7, I will scatter them in Israel. That's what that means. Judah, of course is going to be uh, the tribe um, through which um, we are blessed through Jesus. Uh, so a lot there for Judah. And it goes on through. Um, Dan shall judge his people. I'm skipping down to verse 16. Uh, so the tribe of Dan will be big in the book of Judges, just like it says. Uh, shall be a serpent in the way. In other words, small but potent. Um, tribe of Dan. Uh, it goes on through. Uh, and then um, it goes, there's some extra text there for Joseph and then for Benjamin. And then finally it comes down to um, verse 28 where the blessing is um, completed and 
uh, verse 29, then he commanded them and said to them, I am gathered to my people. And once again, he says, don't bury me in Egypt. Here's exactly where I want to be buried. Here's where the family plot is. Here's some land. I bought it from the Hittites. You'll find it and so forth. Um, this is where they buried Abraham and Sarah. They buried Isaac and Rebekah. I buried Leah. Remember, um, Rachel was born when, um, I'm sorry, uh, Rebekah died in childbirth with Benjamin, and she wasn't around there, so she wasn't buried there. Um, verse 33, when Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. And verse 50 describes the embalming process. Uh, it was very thorough, the grieving and the mourning process, which was extensive. Um, then the whole contingent, along with lots of dignitaries from the palace, they all go to uh, Canaan. Uh, Jacob is buried there. Uh, and then uh, they all come back. Um, when all this was said and done, once again, uh, the, the brothers are nervous. Um, they think, well, maybe now that Jacob has died, uh, it's going to, um, you know, <laughs> they're still feeling really guilty, right? <laughs> you know, uh, he hasn't done anything because Jacob's been around, but, you know, so they, they come to him, and, and um, once again, we have uh, this message from Joseph. They, they ask forgiveness, right? Uh, verse 16, this is worth reading. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command. Now they're lying, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're lying here but it says um, you know before dad died he said you know please forgive uh, the transgression of your servants of the servants of the God your father Joseph I'm sorry the God your father Joseph wept when they spoke to him his brothers also came and fell down before him and said we are your servants in verse 19 he says hey guys don't be afraid am I in the place of God as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he just left on them. That's my paraphrase. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He loved on his brothers. So Joseph remained in Egypt. He and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. He saw Ephraim's children of the third generation and so forth and then Joseph verse 25 made the sons of Israel swear don't leave me in Egypt God will surely visit you you shall carry up my bones from here so Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt He was, again, if my math is right, Joseph was 56 when Jacob died. He lived another 52 years in Egypt. I'm not, I, the, the concept that struck me as I was wrapping this up is not fully formed and, and maybe even be harder to explain, but we know a lot about Jacob and Joseph, right? We've heard so much of this story. That was almost exactly just half of Joseph's life. The other half of his life, 
did make it in the Bible. You think God was still with him those last 52 years? You think Joseph was still faithful those 52 years? You think he was still, still, still telling the story to his children and grandchildren and their children? Think he was still, still telling that story? For whatever reason, maybe this is an American thing, maybe it's a modern thing, maybe it's a Facebook thing. We put ourselves in these big stories in some ways. And, you know, I think sometimes we picture ourselves in the dramatic part of the story. For some of us, that's probably true. For some of us, we might just be in those 52 years, just digging it out every day, just being faithful, just doing God what God wants us to do, right? Our name's not in the lights, didn't make it in the Bible. If God tarries, you know, a few hundred years from now, it may not be obvious what we did. But in those 52 years, somebody had to keep it going, right? Somebody had to keep telling the story. Somebody had to keep telling about the covenant. Somebody had to keep telling God's not leaving us in Egypt. Somebody had to say, oh, by the way, there was this thing 400 years, we're going to be here, uh, buckle up. You know, Joseph was probably saying, we're only 50 years into this thing, y'all. If what Jacob told me was true with what God told Abraham, and so far it's worked out, we got another 350 years that we, which is what, one and a half times longer than America's been here? 350 years is a long time. We just got to be faithful. We just got to keep doing. We just got to keep worshiping God of Abraham. And we got to be ready because we're not staying here. So, If you told, I think there's like a Mayflower group, right? If you can trace your lineage back to the Mayflower people. It was what, 120 some people on the Mayflower? If, think about this, if 150 years from now, you gathered all those people up and said, I know you guys have had a good run, but you're all coming with me. Think about that. That's what happened to these people. I'm not sure what that really means. It's just kind of what was in my head. <laughs> that sometimes there's a lot more going on in the silence that we don't celebrate. We don't celebrate the people that are just digging it out, right? There's stories about how depressing Facebook can be for people because there's such selection bias. People just post the stuff that's good, right? So if you don't have a lot to good to post, you just get sad, right? Y'all process that this week. We better close. Father, we thank you that you are the God of the covenant, and we get to be a part of that. Help us to be faithful, whether we're doing things that'll be remembered or things that'll be forgotten, but we know they're all important to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks, everybody. Yes, sir. Well, uh, there is actually a pretty extensive um, charting of all the pharaohs of Egypt. Um, the dynasty of Egypt was over 3,000 years. Uh, this was in the early part, the first five to 700 years of the dynasty of Egypt. Um, uh, they kind of have an idea of who the pharaoh was of Joseph. Uh, by Egypt standards, it wasn't a super prominent person. But as you'll see in the first part of Exodus, there arose a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. And um, you know, a lot can happen in 300 years or so. Thanks everybody.